This episode of a Quick Time Out podcast is presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. Dr. Dish machines are the most advanced shooting machines on the market. If you haven't already, join top programs like Duke, North Carolina, Baylor, Alabama, and countless others and upgrade to Dr. Dish. And now save an extra $300 on select models when you mention Quick Time Out podcast. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. Back on the podcast is Courtside Consulting's Mark Cassio. Coach, great to see you again. Good to see you again, man. I think this is the 19th time we've done this. <laughs> the streak continues. Coach Cassio is going to be speaking at our September Coaches Clinic, and he'll be on the court showing coaches some of the small group games that he uses with his high school teams and his college teams. You've been doing this for a while now, Coach. Have you always been kind of a small-sided game guy? Yes. Fortunate enough to be brought up in a motion system. So I was aware of small-sided games. I was running small-sided games, participating in small-sided games, but I didn't really know the term small-sided game. I just knew that we weren't playing five-on-five. But really, just it's part of my DNA. So in a lot of ways, I feel I'm, I'm very lucky to have not have to learn something new and go trial and error it and I think that's why this has really just caught on for, for us and been very natural is anytime you run in motion, you can do it with less than five players. And there's so many benefits to that. But the, you know, we kind of call them, we call them breakdown drills where we would work on two on two screening or three on three. Uh, so yeah, very natural, something I've done, you know, my entire coaching career. This may not apply, but as you grew and how you did them, did you change and maybe how you organized them, building them to what you wanted to get to and being more intentional about that over time? Yeah, I love that. That's a good question. So, yeah, changed. I, I think the biggest change would be more two-way teaching. Mm -hmm. So way back, we rewind like 20 years ago, it was more of, like I said, this is an offensive breakdown drill. So we're doing two-on-two, three-on-three down screen or something like that. Now are, it's more of just like games-based approach where we're teaching through the game, we're playing basketball. So now when I'm watching a drill go, I'm just seeing basketball. I'm seeing offense, I'm seeing defense, I'm seeing everything between the whistles. So it's definitely developed that way. I think I've become a lot more intentional about what games we run to reach the desired outcome. So instead of just, you know, an off, like I said, an offensive breakdown drill, we're going to make a game that's going to teach, you know, an offensive action, but also work on 0.5 and then work on the play after the play decision making stuff where those things become an application of skill. Uh, and then kind of my last progression of this was using those games combined with different teaching methods, conditions, constraints. Uh, to really emphasize certain skills or offensive concepts or defensive concepts. You know, just quick example would be just getting rid of your normal shell drill. Uh, so doesn't matter what camp you're in. If you want to have a, a big Twitter fight later, we can. Uh, but if you like shell drill, I just think it's great for teaching. We do shell drill, but it's usually like first week of practice. And then after that, we can create all of those rotations live in a game. Um, so yeah, I think for me, the way those have developed is just being an expert in what games to use, how to use them and how to tweak them to get your desired outcomes. It simplified what we did because it went from, this is a good drill. We need to get better at this 
to now I was able to reverse engineer the practice by looking at the end goal and then everything before that built to that. And I 100%. think it made it simpler for me to put the practice together. And I think it also helped the players focus as to what the point of this practice was. So it wasn't a bunch of good drills or a bunch of good games that we can play, but it was a build to something that then manifested itself most of the time in like a five on five or something like that at the end. Yeah. So I want to touch on one thing that you just said, because it's really good. Like you're saying drills and you're saying games. So those are not the same thing, right? Like uh, a, a small sided game should not be viewed as, as a drill. A drill is very organized, very, I mean, it's a military term, right? Like we're all going to march in one line and do the exact same thing. That is a drill. So just wanted to point that out because uh, I think I love when, when I hear those things. And then to touch on your other point of your practice is all very intentional. So I love hearing that too. Your practice should almost be like a thread that, you know, every drill or game should be threading through a needle to get your desired outcome. That's a way where I've grown to so much as a coach of just being able to design a practice plan Quick advice would be come up with some desired outcomes or objectives uh, and then ask yourself if you had 15 to 20 minutes to, to run this practice, what would you do? That's going to give you your the, the meat and potatoes of your practice. And then you design your skill work, your training stuff to supplement those things. Or like you said, you're building up to those things. So, you know, when you do that, you're, you're, you're going to see transfer. It's going to be super efficient. Uh, and then, like you said, your players appreciate it, too, uh, because it's, you know, it's got a purpose. One of the things that you said there that may scare people if they haven't gone more to this is the disorganization that it can sometimes feel. I hear some coaches are like, well, that's how the game's played. You just have to live with that as a coach. That's almost the extreme of it. How do you corral things back in so it doesn't become just this thing that just frustrates you? But you're like, I know I have to do this because games are sloppy. And, well, I guess my practices are sloppy. I'll just have to live with it. I think you want your team to be prepared for the unscripted moments of the game. So I had a coach come watch our practice and years ago and say, man, like that was the most organized practice I have ever seen. But it was almost – and I appreciate that, but it was too clean of a practice. Mm -hmm. And I'm like – Man, like I was really proud of that practice. Like we looked really good, but you know, basically what he was saying is you got to get messier. And I think that process for me was more gradual. So I grew up in kind of a small sided game, you know, very, so that part was great, but it was a very efficient, well-run practice, probably a too clean practice. So the way I had to really change as a coach was the messiness. And I, you know, my advice would be coach to what you're comfortable with. I think I encourage a lot of coaches to jump in the deep end with a lot of things. But again, as I'm, I'm kind of getting older and now I have stepped away from coaching for the time being, I almost sympathize with coaches that are in the trenches now. And just my advice would be, you don't have to jump in the deep end because if the head coach is uncomfortable at practice, you're not going to have a great practice. You've got to really own it, but you're always stretching yourself, challenging yourself. So if a drill is messy, that's okay. If you don't want your entire practice to be messy, 
but the way I would rein them in, because like we're we're like we don't play out of bounds. I don't coach with a whistle. We don't call fouls, so it can get really messy at times. Would be just out of condition, you know. Or if you don't like, you know, it's getting way. Hey, we're gonna play out of bounds. If you hear the whistle, we're gonna stop. Something like that. But I think as you go through those things, you can find your comfort level. And my advice to a lot of coaches: if you don't like the direction it's going, just take charge of your practice and say, hey. Huddle them up. This is what we're going to do from now on. Like the score is four to two. We're going to carry this score over. We're going to play to 12. But from now on, we're going to do this. You know, I've talked to a lot of coaches that say, well, do your players freak out? And I'm, I'm like, no, but it's because they were so used to me just being comfortable saying, hey, we're going to try this. So, it, But I think that's a good thing because it makes your team a little prepared for the, the craziness, the messiness, the unscripted stuff. A quick timeout is presented by Huddle, the market leader in video-based analysis solutions for basketball teams around the world. Huddle continues to make advancements to their suites of performance analysis solutions. Tools you know like sports code are enhanced by their industry-leading tech like Huddle Focus, an AI-powered smart camera that's built to integrate into sports code right out of the box. It captures and uploads videos automatically from any gym. Head over to huddle.com slash a quick timeout to get a peek at all they're bringing to the hardwood for every level of the game this season. Coaches, let me tell you about Corkhart, our newest partners here at A Quick Timeout Podcast. The Corkhart is an innovative storage solution that lets you lock up to 24 men's or 30 women's basketballs. Add the court board, and with the Corkhart court board package, you can have a locking ball court whiteboard combo. To find out more, visit corkhart.com. Again, that's corkhart.com. I didn't look, but I would say probably about 75% of our practices in a two-hour span, if that's how long we're practicing, or if we're practicing for an hour, probably 75%, and maybe even some days, like 90%, depending on what else we're working on, are playing in these types of games. What was it like for you guys? So depending on the day, you know, I get that question a lot is, um, how long do you play small-sided games in practice? Or how long do you do this in practice? And that really changes depending on the day. I probably have a nice flow of a structure, but I've never sat down and said, we're going to do skills first and then small-sided games and then transition because I think every day is different. It doesn't mean that we can't use a lot of the same drills because I do think there's a lot of value in having your core curriculum of drills so your players are comfortable. But as far as how long, you know, it's funny, somebody uh, reached out and asked for a practice plan. So I was kind of looking through some and I just kind of got to practice 12 of, of one season. And it was an hour and 20 minute practice and everything but the warm up had defense in there. I mean, it was like we got them warmed up and we just went hard for, you know, an hour and five minutes after the warm up. Those are the best practices. Not that you can't do stuff on air. There's definitely a place for that. But I feel like when it's when it's competitive, it's intentional, your engagement is up, you know, and you're just you're going to get more transfer there. So I would say if there's an on air drill in there, I'm very aware of not putting them back to back or a long segment of it. We want to start fast, finish fast. One thing I always tell coaches early in my coaching career, my practices were a crescendo. We started, you know, with the ball handling and then we did this. And at the end we did five on five. Now it is, let's get them warmed up. Let's huddle. Let's break the huddle and go compete and sustain that for as long as we can. Cause that's what the game is. So if you're doing your self scout in the off season, 
and your teams don't start great at the you know first quarter or the third quarter after halftime, I would evaluate how you're how you're practicing because you might be training them to kind of ramp up as the the game goes on. The specific benefits of coaching this way in regards to your players. So the specific benefits for your players. State some of the obvious ones and then also maybe some that came about and you weren't even expecting them to come about. Yeah. Okay. So the obvious is that it becomes pretty positionless. So you're developing basketball players and not basketball positions. That's when I think obvious answer. First thing that popped in my head was that because, and this kind of goes to the, to the not obvious kind of what we stumbled upon and I stumbled upon it backwards and I'll explain. So let's say you're in practice and we're going to play three on three and we don't have positions. It's very easy. Motion background, we can run our entire offense three on three if we want. When we got positionless at you know Catholic High School and really our last year at App State, we kind of trended that way. It's very easy to play games in practice because it's not – well, we have two posts on the floor and one guard and three on three. Well, then y'all have got to get off or we can't do that. I don't ever want to say we can't do something. Uh, so the positionless part makes all that so easy. Think of a transition drill where I like a transition drill. We love stole it from Chris Oliver, kind of tweaked it a little bit as I tend to do three on one transition, just continuous three on one. Love it. Well, well, I'm a rim runner cause I'm a post. What do I do? Do I run the sideline if I'm in this line or do I like cut to the middle of the floor? Honestly, I don't know. Like, if I'm consulting with you, I would say whatever suits you. If you want them running down the midline, go ahead. If you're okay with them kind of breaking rules, go ahead. But if you do it, you know, if you're positionless, if you're developing players, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. I found when I moved to this system, like the drive and space stuff that was four out, I had to really train myself. Like, how are we going to navigate this? Because this is different. I was used to like the wide open positionless. So I almost went backwards than probably what most coaches are doing now. And I think that's what gives me really good perspective is a lot of the, the issues, the troubleshooting is the natural stuff for me. So that would be the kind of not obvious is your practice planning is so much easier to where you don't have to assign positions, less questions, less issues arise in practice. I mean, just thinking about a practice, it's everything becomes very seamless, very streamlined. We can just we can play two on two or five on five and not a whole lot changes. I felt like I didn't have to keep coming up with new drills because it's just a game that never looks the same. That's where it became kind of easier for me and less pressure for me. But I think it then also helped my players. There wasn't figuring out a drill. We all know how that works. Somebody figures out how to win the drill or to play the drill. Yeah, they just were figuring out how to play basketball. A couple others. I found too that they had like better spatial awareness and you can adjust that like kind of some of your constraints. Yeah. You know, I love that you mentioned spacing. I think that's really good because you're, it's so much easier just to teach basketball. Right. And then obviously the whole small sided games and more touches, more decisions. I mean, it, obviously ton of value there. Love what you said about you don't have to find a whole lot of different drills. You know, I had a coach, reach out before we hopped on and was like, Hey, what's a drill? I think he meant game that we can just play continuous four on four in the half court. 
I'm like, well, it's not so much the game or a drill. It's really how you structure that. Right. So my answer was make three teams of four offense is playing, make it, take it. If they score defense goes off, new D comes on. Offense has to clear the ball outside the three point line play. If defense gets a stop, they got to clear it. Got to take it back. Offense is off. New D is on. To me, that's not a, like we're just playing basketball, right? right? And then, you know, one thing I'm offering now is is one-on-one consulting where, you know, we meet regularly. I've got a coach uh, that we were speaking not long ago and rebounding came up and he's, he's having the old internal struggle of, do I do rebounding drills or do I let the games take care of that? And you can do both. You know, I think you need to teach how to rebound and you can train that and reinforce it and build habits and, Sometimes you're just doing that stuff just to put it on their mind. You know, players are going to remember what they think about. So they'll remember to block out if you plant that seed in their head early. But we can do that same four-on-four game that I just described. But if you make an offensive putback a game winner, you know, or a drill winner, you're going to raise awareness there. Or if you score offensive rebounds, you know, all those things where now you can use conditions, constraints, teaching methods, to get a completely different outcome from the exact same game. And I think that could be summed up in the, it's not so much of what you do, it's how you do it. For a really long time, basketball coaching was what we did because we went to clinics and we wanted to get the newest or the latest or a different drill that would somehow change our practice. Yep. And sometimes that drill was a cool drill, but it had no context to what we're doing. I think we've all been there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you're right on. I think we were speaking the same language. When I went to, to clinics, and I loved clinics growing up, like this, couldn't get enough of them. I would always look for sticky language, a teaching point, or what I actually loved was when I saw a drill I already did, but they did it a little better. Yeah, That would get me way more fired up than some drill that, I didn't really know why we were doing it or how it connected. All right. How do you give feedback to players during those games? What does that look like? Frequency, what you say, individual versus group, anything. Yeah. Okay. Good question. So three types of drills, teaching, training, competing. So teaching, ton of feedback, a lot of instruction from the the coach, one feedback, fault is giving feedback too early. I'm very guilty of this. So we're doing, you know, we're teaching a start, like we're teaching a stampede or something and they are, and they're going into a finish and they start it and you're like, Oh, good. Oh, wait, hold on. You got to do, you know, so just let the rep happen. Uh, and then you don't have to give so much feedback after the first rep. Like if you show me something brand new, it's going to take me a minute. You know, it might take me one, two reps for my body to adjust. And I've got it without you putting something else in my head. Training, which I think we're talking about. I mean, we're competing in in our small-sided games, but we're really using those games to train either a certain skill or a certain concept. So kind of teach, I kind of treat those as training games where I'm using buzzwords. And this is where consistent language is really important. I'm not necessarily stopping, but I am just one word. You know, if it's defense, like high half, that means like get up a little bit so we don't let it get to the middle. Or handshake would be the distance you are between your man and, and the ball. Offensively, you know, it, it might be 
we drive, we kick. I might, I might be saying two out as a reminder or a notification. Uh, so those things now, when this topic, because I, I love that you asked this, because this is a good topic. I find if I'm repeating myself a lot with the same buzzword or teaching point, I'm going to stop it. Yeah. Okay. So after the rep or during the rep, we're going to stop. We're going to talk about it. We're going to recreate. And we're going to try to do is reduce the amount of time between the feedback and the application of it. That's like a Doug Lamoff thing, right? So if we're just constantly missing two outs, and what I mean by that is we get into the paint, we kick, and we want that one more. It's going to expand our advantage, create a longer closeout, all that good stuff. If we're constantly missing those and the buzzwords aren't working, I'm going to stop. I'm going to say, let's do that drive one more time. Let's hit the paint. Let's pass it to the corner again. Let's go two out to the 45 just so they get the feedback. They see it. They feel it. They do it. And then we play on from there. And then the competing stuff would be our five on five is what I would consider a competing stuff when we're, we've got multiple, you know, could even be like a small side of game in the full court. But definitely five on five, I'm really going to say nothing. I don't want to distract. I, I heard this, and I think this was Doug Lamov again. Uh, he's the man. But if you're talking to your players during live action, you're either training them not to get to the next play or training them not to listen to you because they really only have those two choices. Yeah. If I take a bad shot and I'm running back on defense and you're yelling that that was a bad shot or getting my attention – you're taking my attention away from, okay, coach, like that was a bad shot. It's going to happen, but I'm going to get a stop for you. You're di distracting me from that. Or if you want me to focus on that, I'm going to ignore whatever the heck you're saying. So mm -hmm. uh, during the com competitive stuff, we say nothing. The way we practiced, especially at the high school level, was varsity's on. They're going five on five down and back. I blow the whistle or I yell. I always would yell hold. And everybody would just repeat, hold, echo, yell. We would stop. Varsity would come to me. JV's on while JV's going down, back down. I'm, you know, we're, hey, what did we see there? What did we like? Here are some things I saw. All right, here we go. JV's off. Y'all are back on. So it's more of a debrief during the competitive stuff. A couple of things, just thinking the individual feedback or just the feedback early on. Um, I think that ties back to when we said you got to be okay with messy. I, I don't know what comes to coach's mind. Like it's just going to be crazy. The practical application for us is we want to stop and make it cleaner. But that's where I've seen your players, if you have intelligent players, but even if you don't, I think they figure it out. And if they can't figure it out, that's my cue to stop it. And then this is how. And I think also one of the benefits of playing with the small side of games, when you play the three on three or the three on two or the four on three, usually you do have people in line, not in line for very long, but they're in line. And that natural break gives me that opportunity to talk to them if I need to give the feedback. And that allows me to the next thing you talked about the interruption. And I think Doug is the one Lamov is the one who talked about it as well. Every time I interrupt, it's taking 30 to 45 seconds for that kid to get back on task. Well, I get those natural breaks because I'm only playing on a rep and then off two reps really quickly. So yep. it's not just been one thing that has improved because I coach this way. There are a lot of things that have come together that allow my players to learn better. That's the whole point in all of this. We're leaving out the one skill that's probably is arguably the most important in regards to winning basketball games, and that's shooting. 
how do you like to incorporate shooting into your practices? Is it through games? Are you still sticking more with block? Is it groups of people so we can get lots of reps? Is it all of those and just heavily weighted towards one? What do you like? It's all of them. So here are our categories for shooting. We have individual shooting drills. Those are our volume, comfort, and confidence very early in practice or pre-practice where we just want guys in the gym getting shots. Usually have like a shooter, a rebounder, passer. We have partner drills. We're working with a partner. I love the partner drills because, you know, we can split up at all of our baskets. It's really efficient. Everybody's going. What I love about them is they're mixed drills where we're almost never just shooting. Your partner could be defense. They could be guided defense. They could turn in the live defense, but we're always working more than one skill. So we might do a shooting drill. Um, actually shared this one not long ago on Twitter. Cycle shooting is a good example. Three threes, you get a paint pull, you get a finish. But in those, so we're getting three threes. That's like the main thing. We want to get shots up. But when we go to our paint pull, I might say, hey, we're working a um, a fake and go is one of our moves, you know, off the catch. We want to play off the catch, right? So we're going to go fake and go in our paint pull. And then on our finish, we're going to stampede it. And I want that finish to be, we could add a constraint. You uh, you have to have a one-inch shot fake before you finish. So now, don't, you know, we're working, uh, we're shooting threes. We're working a fake and go. We're working a quick stop into our paint pull. We're working a stampede. And then we're working a quick stop into our one-inch shot fake. So we're not just shooting ever. Next part would be more group or concept shooting where our concept shooting, we're going to add a read in there, where uh, this is one thing. I'm glad I thought of this because I liked this a lot. Last year in practice planning, what I really started to to try to challenge myself to do is not do finishing drills and not do shooting drills, do scoring drills. So we could have a – I did this two ways. We're going to Finish against a live defender, could be a coach, could be a manager, could be the last player that went. And we're going to go until we make three in a row as a group or until we make five total as a group, whatever you want to do. And then we're allowed to shoot off of it. And then we're going to go to we make 10. Then we would progress to maybe we do that on Monday. On Tuesday, we're going to do that same drill. But now you don't know if you have a finish or a shot, you're reading a closeout. If you have room range rhythm, it's a shooting drill. If you don't have room range rhythm, it turns into a live finishing drill at the rim. So we'll incorporate some offensive concepts there, some decision making. And then our group stuff is really promotes offensive actions and sharing, right? So we're getting a fingers cut, drive, kick, two out. Everybody ends with a shot. Uh, So we can kind of count it down that way. And then we have team shooting drills, which are less efficient. But they're great energizers of practice where college practice, you might have everybody on one side. Uh, High school practice, we would go 12 and 12 and split where you have 12, you might have four balls. So you got, you know, four ball, four lines, each ball is a line, something like that, where you're getting shots, but everybody's together. And we would even mix some stuff into that. Like if we had a rebounding line, every rebound has to be got with two hands or If you have to get your rebound, you got to take two hard dribbles, jump, stop, pivot, and then pass to the line. So we're always trying to steal some reps, but uh, we would usually do a mix of all of those drills in practice. You do about one of each. We would usually do a couple of those partner ones, though, 
get about 30 minutes of shooting in. Almost every practice, our guys got at least 200 shots up. One thing I would recommend the coaches to do is, is your favorite shooting drills. You can do it. You can ask an assistant tutor to do it, or you can ask just a player. I just had, I always had a player. I would say, Hey, we're about to do this drill. Just count how many shots you take. I don't want to, I don't care how many you make. We had an assistant tracking that. That way on my drill library, I have cycle shooting. They're going to get about 40 shots. Two minute drill, they're going to get about 50 shots. Where when I design the practice, I know everybody's going to get roughly 200 to 225 shots up a practice. So I like a mix of all of those because they all have their own flavor. They all have their own vibe, but you're still getting a lot of shots up. You mentioned the YouTube where you can find those. And I saw that you're posting a little bit more on there these days. Can you direct people to that? Yeah. So uh, mainly active on Twitter at Coach Cassio. And then my YouTube is at Coach Cassio as well. I have, uh, like I said, I, I stepped away from coaching for the time being. So I have time to, to kind of be on social media a little bit and share a little bit more. And I'm really enjoying it. And the consulting, can you point them towards that? Yeah. So um, coachcassio.com or courtside-consulting all brings you to the same spot. Here's what I'm, what I'm kind of offering now is one, you can join a, uh, the courtside community where you just get some extra things. The main thing being you're in a private chat with all the other courtside members, constant basketball talk. I'm always dropping some clips in there, answering questions where if you don't have the means or you don't want to hire me as a consultant, you still can bounce some things off of me. Uh, That's kind of the lowest level. The next level is you get access to every resource that I've ever developed or will develop in the future. That is a passive learn on your own model, but you still have access to me in the chat. and then. The next highest tier would be one-on-one consulting, where you get about 45 minutes to an hour of work from me a week. That might be a one-on-one call or a Zoom. I have a coach in Chicago asking me to break down a summer game for him. That's my 45 minutes to an hour of work for him this week. I have another one that wants me to design their, give, give him some feedback on their design of their fall program. I think that's one thing that with one gym at a 5A school, I had to be very creative on when we lifted, when we were going to condition, when we we're going to be in the gym. So that's kind of the highest tier. And then another kind of high tier would be bringing me in for a, a coach's clinic. Or one thing I'm actually ex- really excited about is practice observation. So a lot of what we talked about today, I could come to your practice, watch a couple of them, share some teaching methods, some tweaks, or if you're uncomfortable, because like you're saying, this is really messy. How do I clean it up? Or how do I utilize my assistance better? Have a couple of those trips lined up in the fall. I'm, I'm, I'm fired up for. If you're waiting to pull the trigger on that, you're not quite sure. A great test scenario would be to come to our clinic September 8th and 9th. You can come connect with Coach Cassio in person. I'll be sure to link that down in the description below. Would love for you to come and attend that. It's going to be a good group, good group of speakers. And I know a good group of coaches as well. And we've got quite a few signed up for that already. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think I spoke at the first one that you hosted a, a few years ago, and I'll just say the feedback from that, not not from my talk, but just as the whole clinic was super positive from every coach that I knew that was there. Uh, it was a little bit more personal, I felt, than most clinics that you go to. Uh, I know I've spoke with coaches that are coming from all over the country, so hopefully it's really well attended because, like you said, the speakers are phenomenal. Awesome. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the, just the, we try to make it kind of 
I don't know other word, but as intimate as possible. So you sit around the court and the feedback that we got from the first one was like more of that. So before we actually had kind of a classroom session on Friday night and then on court the next day. And this time we're on court the entire time. So it'll be all Friday evening and then all day Saturday. And you're right there close by. The coaches are there. They've got demonstrators. Our team's going to be a demonstration group. So you'll be able to see everything and it, they'll be able to be right there you know, to answer questions and that kind of thing too. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a really good one. So that's only about a month away. So be sure to go ahead and sign up for that quickly. Coach, I really appreciate you coming on as usual. It was fantastic. Yep. Thanks for having me. You do a great job as always. Thanks, Coach.